0: Thanks for listening to this Ave Maria radio podcast. Be sure to share it with your friends and family and across social media, building the church so we can bless the nations. This is Ave Maria radio.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. My guest, Father Joseph Krupp, is a former comedy writer who's now pastor of Holy Family in Saint Mark's parishes in the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. He is the author of "Smart Answers and Bad Jokes" from a priest who proves that God has a sense of humor. Father Joe joined Father Joe joined us uh, last year uh, in 2020 uh, 20 on our uh, Good News Marriage Cruise. He was uh, MC there, did a spectacular job, and I should say that he's also coming with us. Uh, in the January 2022 Good News Marriage Cruise. So again, we'll have information available at AveMariaRadio.net as well, but you can go directly to GoodNewsCruise.com. Father, it's good to have you with me. Thanks.
0: Oh, it's an honor to be on here. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, listen, you answered a question in uh, Faith Magazine, which I thought was yeah. just a great question. And of course, your answer was uh, very appropriate. Uh th- th- You've probably had this type of question asked of you many times. Uh, people who uh, are upset, uh, angry, because they believe that um, the Mass is not as reverent today as it once was when they were growing up, uh, or where they've seen it enacted in other places. Um, yes. What do you say to people like that?
0: Well, um... What I was able to do, and, and, and I've got, as you would imagine, a lot of experience with that. Um, <laughs> and uh, the first thing I did in the article was ask people to look at the source. I, I think um, it's an easy thing right now to confuse people who fire us thought with people who are holy. Yeah. Uh, that the ability to get us all charged up even if it's pointing our anger in a vaguely spiritual direction, it doesn't mean it's holy. Right. It doesn't mean it's good, you know. And passion does not equal goodness, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I I often will take an approach of asking, you know, what's the data? What, what are you looking at? Did you see the mass before Vatican II? Or right. is it being described to you um, by people who also didn't see it? right? (laughs) Right. Uh, And it it really is something. And what emerges, I think, is you just have people pining for something they've never seen, because Mm -hmm. they don't know if it existed. But the only thing they compare it to is what they see now. Right. Right. Um, And, you know, you always lose when you compare what you have now with something that may or may not have existed. Yep. You know,
1: the actual versus Um, the ideal.
0: Yeah, you know, and I I think I'm blessed to be in a unique spot my age. There's not a ton of us out there, uh, but just the early 50s who just caught the end um, and and the beginning, Um, the end of uh, the pre-Vatican II, the beginning of the Vatican II, and um, it's really—I don't know how to explain it, but— Interesting to to talk to people who were raised in the pre-Vatican II church yeah. and who don't hate it. Who yeah. don't hate it at all, but will tell you, no, this is better. It's messier. It's uh, more contentious. It's, uh, but it's it's good what we're doing now. Uh, we are participants as opposed to observers. Right. Which some many of them felt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean I was raised in the 1950s and 60s uh, going to Catholic sure. church and uh we were very and I have to say uh, we were very compliant uh Catholics. Uh, but the truth is uh, I wasn't catechized at all uh, you know right. in any in any in any way that took. Uh, so I by the time I reached uh post puberty I was out of there. Um, yeah. you know yeah. and and I don't you know I, I the only thing I I I do remember uh is that you could you could go in the church buildings were frequently open uh they weren't yeah. locked and so they were very qu- they could be very quiet places and there was a sense of uh reverence about it so but uh, once yeah. you got everybody in there um you know it, it, you had people uh, praying a rosary next to you not even aware of what's going on up at the altar you had you know, people dozing yeah. off. I mean, it was. Oh, yeah. It was It's no and, ideal and, situation at all.
0: No, it, it, you know, this is the, the two the two hardest things I, I think for people perhaps to accept is the, the first distinct possibility that Catholics stopped going to church because we started making money. that right around the time Catholics stopped going to church. Uh, You actually can Google this, it's crazy. Catholic wealth rose astronomically in the 60s and 70s. The success of Catholic schools in making excellent students put them out in the secular world, and they began to make money when now, last I checked, the wealthiest sub-economic group in the country by far And it's remarkable, because, I mean, this is literally exactly what Jesus told us would happen, right? right. You can't serve God and mammon. And I think a lot of Catholics stop going to church, because, not because of a liturgy, but because of they didn't need God anymore. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, you uh, point that out in the article, is. that, that, that oh, people yeah. often confuse uh, causation with correlation.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah so it, the, the dirt poor Catholics I would say this the, the when Catholics were literally dying of hunger in this country, we built St. Patrick's Cathedral,
1: yeah,
0: and mm-hmm. when we got rich and powerful, we built those weird boxes, you know <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it's really remarkable, you know mm.
1: um when you when you um mem- members of congregations that you've served uh yeah, do you often come across this complaint?
0: not really i I find it uh for lack of a better phrase, a specialized complaint hmm. um, and, and, and for example, and this goes back to my first thing about who you listen to the the most one of the most important lessons I learned as a priest came at one of my parishes when i I had heard for the first time uh, a Catholic uh podcast. And it got my blood boiling, right? They were excited, they were fired up, and I walked away excited and fired up, Mm -hmm. and immediately told a brand-new Catholic about it. I had just brought her into the Church that year. And then after about two months, I was really convicted. I, I recognized every time I listened to this, I walked away angry and afraid. Wow. And I, I, I really, I even preached about it. I was like, "My gosh, guys, you know, we got to be careful. That's a drug, right?" And whatever the intent, uh, when someone can get us fired up about something we love, it doesn't necessarily mean it's holy. And I, I specifically approached this person, baby Catholic, just ludicrously happy, right? You know, it was, <laughs> and yes. uh, already, the anger was there. Yeah. And within two years, uh, she wouldn't even talk to me because I was one of those, you know, heretic, uh, you know, won't stand up for the truth, meaning right. I won't say exactly what she wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, all of those complaints and and it just man, it got my heart, right? It really did. And I, I think that's a lot of what we deal with. Like, if you go to my congregation here, most people that, I, that we've got going to church now weren't going to church three years ago. Interesting. And so I'm careful to tell them, don't listen to that. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll say why. I'll, I'll say they might say some true things, but they don't have the love of God in them.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, and I, I give people a little fruits of the Spirit from Scripture. And I say, these how if, if you experience these realities, Scripture's clear. That means you got a good thing. Yeah. And and then if you look at where it lists what those fruits of the flesh are, uh, look at that. And if that's what you experience, then it's not from the Lord. It's a super simple gauge. Yeah, you
1: know. If you're but, if you're experiencing if you're experiencing love, joy, peace, uh, kindness, gentleness, that's one thing. If you're experiencing bro. you know um, hostility, uh, anger, uh, a partisan yep. spirit, uh, that's a different thing, yep. <laughs> different spirit. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: And isn't it crazy that you know someone can indubitably so quote me a liturgical document from the 17th century, but is unaware of that scripture? Right?
1: Yeah, right. We're,
0: it's super clear. Our Lord says these are bad fruits, and we might like the taste of them, but it's still bad fruits,
1: yeah. you know? And... You you have a, a quote in this, uh, salvation is a messy business because we are messy people. <laughs> the incarnation yeah. of God and the person of Jesus was anything but neat and orderly, Uh and that, that, that is certainly true. Just reading the pages of the New Testament, you, you realize that yeah. uh, this is not a... a uh, St. Paul wasn't dealing with a, a nicely ordered systematic theology. He was uh, no. acting like a pastor to troubled churches in the, their problems yeah. he's always dealing with.
0: Praise God. Yeah, just spraying and praying Jesus, right? He wasn't trying to convince people of steps 13 and 14. He was trying to convince them, right, that old thing when I was a kid, right, God loves us, we're sinners, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, we need a personal relationship with Jesus and a community of believers. Boom. You could spend your whole priesthood pounding on those four points and get nothing but faith from it. Hmm. Right, uh, and that's where Paul was masterful, as you said, and it was it was super basic theology, and it was messy sacraments. God born in a barn during a census sacraments, right? Yes. And there's a beautiful appeal, and I dig it. I mean, I'm German, right? I dig the neat, orderly, precise mass. But just because I dig it, doesn't mean it's of God, right? Right. Uh, it, 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 it can be a messy, messy
1: thing. Yeah, you know? We're going to be going together again on, on this good news marriage cruise. And yeah, uh, God help you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you did a great job, and I had a great time last last time. Um, yeah, it was just before the COVID thing hit. Remember?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I got it. You, I don't know if you remember.
1: I do I remember now. You, you, yeah. you were with your dad.
0: Yup, he's right here. We just just a couple feet away. Easy, we go everywhere together. <laughs> Poor man. He's. Bad. I told him I don't know what you did as a young man, but you got some purred going right now. You know, he lives with me, so. <laughs> <laughs> well. yeah, yeah, I'm geeked out. I think that cruise will really be a joy. I I uh, I still am getting letters from people, brother. Uh, the, the marriage is strengthened marriage is saved marriage is affirmed and man you and me we got to be there for that yeah how cool is that
1: it is great it's it's great and uh, look forward to seeing you hope to see you before then uh, yeah but, uh, I love it we'll talk again thanks father you got
0: it have a great day
1: father joseph Krupp, uh, again he's gonna be one of us uh, with us there on the good news marriage cruise uh, scott and kimberly hahn uh, Father Leo Patlinghug, Father John Ricardo, Therese Tamio, and Deacon Dom, uh, Archbishop Charles Chaput, Ray Grendi. Uh, well, you can see it's going to be quite a crowd.